0: Uh, good morning, church. Uh, yeah, what, a, what a blessing to just uh, hear from uh, Megan through Jordan uh, and the encouragement that we have in the faithfulness that the Lord has, has shown in her ability to continue to get to learn the language, uh, to get to have prayers answered, uh, to be able uh, to see uh, a sister uh, to profess faith in Christ, uh, to get to worship uh, with these believers that she's uh, walking alongside, in their language, so that she can be better reaching and, and equipping them and serving alongside them. As we, uh, as we gather together this, this morning, uh, we're, we're continuing to, to work through uh, the book of Philippians this week. Uh, we, we've been uh, working through the book of Philippians so far uh, this year. We're uh, reaching the, the halfway point today. Uh, so as we open our Bibles, we're going to be in uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 to 30 Uh, And as as we read the Word of God, if you're visiting with us today and and you don't own a Bible yourself, uh, please feel free to take the one from the pew in front of you. Uh, That's our gift as a church to you. Uh, It's our desire that everyone who desires to to have access to a Bible would have access to one. Uh, So please take that. That's our gift to you. Uh, As we we read together, we're going to be picking up again in in verse 19. That's uh, page number uh, 922 in, in the pew Bible. Paul, writing to the church in Philippi, says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth. to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Let's pray together. Uh, Fathers, we open your word this morning. uh, We we just pray that uh, these breathed out words of yours that we have in recorded scripture uh, would, would come through today to give us knowledge and understanding of who you are, to increase our love for you, our trust in you, Uh, Father, I pray that these words would be your Spirit speaking through me and not my own. Uh, Father, I I pray that as we see this example of discipleship, of selflessness, of sacrifice, of of servanthood, that all mimics the likeness of Christ. I pray that it would spur us on as a congregation uh, to pursue the same goal, to be as much like Christ in this life as possible as we look forward to eternity made righteous with you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. As we just saw in this passage, uh, Paul is is lifting up Timothy and Epaphroditus here. That's what what Matt was just saying, that that we are going to see Paul truly lifting up his brothers in the faith and and rejoicing in their faithfulness and and being encouraged by them. They are examples of of Christ-like servanthood, That the church in Philippi and and we today should follow. And that that is Paul's main point. And the main idea of this passage, that we should follow others insofar as they follow Christ. Again, our main idea is that we should follow others insofar as they follow Christ. Uh, This continues building on Paul's argument that the chat unpacked for us last week. Uh, that we are to work out our faith and be lights in the world, standing apart as those who hold fast to God's word. Uh, this really is, is Paul's application portion of, of chapter two, right? And, and that's important for us to note because Paul, in his letters, in the epistles that he authors, he has a, a very normal process of how he writes to these churches. Uh, he usually begins with a greeting. Uh, usually this also includes Thanksgiving, uh, just an, an encouragement, a general encouragement to the church. Uh, and then he moves on to the body of the letter, um, where this is, is usually a logical argument addressing the issues specific to the believers he's addressing. This is not always addressing sin in their lives, but... Um, Sometimes it's, it's a more general encouragement uh, to continue in the way that they have been faithful so far. Um, but we are fallen and broken being, so normally sin is addressed. Um, as he addresses these churches, there's, there's normally a reminder of the gospel, an encouragement of their reputation in the gospel, admonishment of their sin. And then usually he closes with travel plans, lifting up co-workers, uh, praying for this church, asking for prayer requests, uh, giving some final instructions, and then he normally closes with a benediction uh, full of, of grace. Uh, that being said, it, it probably seems a little bit odd that, uh, that Paul switches to discussing travel plans here, not even fully halfway through uh, this book of the Bible. Um, Again, this is, this is normally something that, that Paul saves for the end of his letters. Uh, but in Philippians, he, he includes it here, and I think it's important for us to ask why. So there's, there's two main reasons. Number one is because Paul is taking advantage of an opportunity here to lift up his brothers in the faith, Timothy and Epaphroditus, as practical examples of how to work out their salvation, be lights in the world, and hold fast in the faith, all points that we saw Chad work through in our passage last week. As he transitions to where Chad will continue preaching through next week, his exhortation of the Philippians to be righteous through their faith in Christ. So this is really just a a perfect opportunity to lift up his brothers as he transitions from one argument to the next and to show how they really exemplify everything that he just uh, encouraged the Philippians to be in Christ. So that's point one. Number two is uh, partially because we live in a sinful and and broken world and things don't often go according to our plans. Uh, Paul needs to be able to provide updates to the church in Philippi. This is uh, nearly purely just logistics. He, He needs to inform them of what's going to happen. This is their main form of communication. At this time, uh, he didn't have the ability back then to hop on a quick video call with Megan like we get to and uh, just ask what's going on, hear about updates, uh, get to to hear uh, Megan's voice and uh, just see what's happening in her day-to-day life uh, like we were able to do in our last members meeting as we were encouraged by her. Um, So that being the case, not being able to communicate from halfway around the world, uh, again, this was their main method of communication, and, and we get some insight into that because it's recorded. Here in the letter to the Philippians. Uh, so, as we work through these verses today, I, I want us to, thinking of our big idea, again, to, to follow others insofar as they follow Christ, to see the three examples we have laid before us. We've heard Timothy and Epaphroditus. I'll get to the third in a little while. So, first, we, we have Timothy's example. Uh, picking up in verse 19, we see Paul desires to send Timothy to Philippi and, and not just desires generally to send him but desires to do so soon so that he can receive updates on what's happening in Philippi. Again, this is just part of the logistics. He wants to hear how are they doing. He cares for them. He, he desires to know what is happening uh, in their faith. Uh, but we also know from this letter and from Paul's other epistles, especially Second uh, Timothy, just how close these two brothers were. Uh, now, Philippians is one of Paul's earliest letters written, so this is very early on in their relationship. Uh, this is not to the point that we'll, we'll get to later in Second Timothy, where uh, they are very, very deeply lifelong partners in the ministry together. Uh, that, though, that being said, and they've only known each other for a brief couple of years. Uh, You can already see the love and the care that they have for one another, and and the the specific and peculiar nature of this relationship that they have with one another in Christ. Uh, We see that bond that these two share. We we see what a beautiful picture of discipleship it is. Uh, Paul says he has no one like Timothy. He has no one like Timothy. Now it doesn't mean that he has no other believers near him uh, during this imprisonment, which most likely uh, was in Rome. Uh, one commentator suggests that, that Luke and Aristarchus are no longer in Rome at this point. Uh, that's, but again, that's not what Paul is saying. He's not saying that he is abandoned, but he is rather highlighting Timothy as being set apart in Christlikeness from the other believers in Rome because of his selfless love. Because Timothy places others before himself, as we see in, in Verse 21. Paul says that Timothy will be genuinely concerned for their welfare. He goes on to say that the other believers around him all pursue their own interests, but not Timothy. He pursues the interest of Christ. I can think of, of several faithful brothers in Christ who I can speak of with this high regard. But like Paul, I can think of many more who I cannot But just like if I were to say of any of these brothers that I do hold in high regard to anyone that knows them, Paul is simply reminding this congregation of what they already know to be true. Their their character precedes them. They have built a reputation of being faithful brothers who desire to be Christ-like. We see that in verse 22 as Paul says, But you know Timothy's proven worth. How as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. Timothy's worth, his character, and the help that he has been throughout Paul's ministry to this point precedes him. Timothy has has labored well alongside Paul already. And so Paul trusts him and wishes to send him to minister to the church in Philippi. Uh, We will touch back on on Paul and Timothy's relationship in a bit, but uh, moving on. To our second example, we have the example of Epaphroditus. Uh, the book of Philippians is the only place we encounter Epaphroditus in Scripture. There's a shortened version of this name called uh, Epaphras, uh, mentioned uh, in uh, the church in uh, Ephesus. Uh, but that is, that is not the same uh, Epaphroditus. Uh, we do know from this passage that he was from Philippi. He was most likely a Gentile convert. His name is derived from the pagan Greek goddess Aphrodite. Uh, It's it's likely that his parents were actually worshippers of Aphrodite, uh, which would have been common in the area at this time. uh, And this is most likely how he received his name. So that would make sense that he would be a convert. uh, Worshipping Aphrodite was was common in the uh, area of Philippi. And so we know that the church in Philippi sent him out. And they sent him out to bring a financial gift to Paul from their church. And he became ill either on his journey or once he arrived. It doesn't really matter. But what does matter is that Paul is stressing the severity of this illness. Epaphroditus nearly died due to this illness because of his faithfulness to complete the task. Paul in verses 27 and 30 is intentionally calling back To verses 12 to 18 from last week, and to verse 8, where Paul recounts Christ's example of humility. In in verse 8, we pick up and we see, and being found in human form, he, Christ, humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. So so Paul is drawing the connection here for us mentally that, that Christ was obedient to the point of death, and Epaphroditus was obedient nearly to the point of death. So while it's an incomplete picture, not a, not a full picture of Christ, he is pointing to Epaphroditus' likeness of Christ and that he was willing to serve and to be faithful, and it nearly cost him his life. Uh, we know somehow the, the Philippian church has learned of this illness, uh, read many different theories on this, maybe on the road to Rome, he passed somebody going the other direction and was already sick and said, hey, let them know when you get back to Philippi. Uh, maybe he wrote a letter once he was in Rome uh, to let them know. Uh, again, speculation doesn't really help. What, what matters is that the church knows that he's ill and they're worried about him. They would surely be anxious to, to hear an update from their brother in the faith. Uh, much like you and I, uh, we, we feel this as we let one another know when, when we're sick, not, uh, not feeling well. This was uh, me for the last half of this week uh, as allergies have been afflicting me. Uh, but again, as, as our brothers and sisters care for us and, and they want to know, hey, how are you doing? Uh, we, d- we don't want to just go one periods of time without responding and letting them know because they genuinely care for us. We don't want them to be anxious or worried without cause. And so we love them. And care to update them and let them know how the Lord uh, has has answered or, or chosen not to uh, not to respond with healing uh, to our ailments. I've seen our church display this otherly love time and time again as so many of our people have faced various illnesses over the past three years, especially. Right now, as we're, we're in a time of allergies and age and many other afflictions uh, affecting us, colds running around, uh, again and again, I see our church, I see you do this well and model this well to, to love others, to care for them, to genuinely ask and follow up with them, how are you doing? How can I be caring for you? And so because of this, that same example that, that we follow Epaphroditus wishes to return to his people so that they may not be anxious. And as he returns, uh, Paul has sent him as the messenger from himself to the church in Philippi. So he would actually be the one reading this letter. And that is important for us to note as we, uh, as we continue to, to work through uh, the last portion of our passages. We, we get to verse 29. Paul from Epaphroditus' mouth is encouraging the Philippians to receive Epaphroditus in the Lord with all joy and honor such men for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in their service to him. So two questions come up from this exhortation that he's given to the church in Philippi, uh, number one, why do the Philippians need to be extorted, uh, not extorted, exhorted, exhorted uh, to receive Epaphroditus with joy and to honor him? And number two, what was lacking in their service to Paul? First, they, they know that Epaphroditus was ill, and, and Paul makes it clear that he is the one sending him back sooner rather than later. Paul desires more than Epaphroditus to send him back soon. Why is this important? Because Paul does not want them to worry about Epaphroditus or to feel as though he did not complete his ministering to Paul's needs. There seems to be a bit of a duality in his purpose being there. It was not only to to bring forth a financial gift uh, to Paul, but also to to be alongside him and just to encourage him and to be there with him uh, in a physical presence uh, in a way the Philippians were unable to be. And that really points to our our second point, our second question. What was lacking in their service to Paul? What was lacking was their financial gift and their physical presence with him. Uh, We find this out actually looking forward to chapter 4, verses 10 and 18. In verse 10 we see, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity and then again we see Paul in verse 18 say that I have re- received full payment and more. I am well supplied. Having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. A fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. This was not required service as though the, the church of Philippi owed anything to Paul. But they desired to support him. And they had been unable so that they They sent Epaphroditus. Uh, This, again, just truly speaks to the nature of the love that Paul and the Philippians have for one another. Uh, They care for their brother Paul. They desire to support him. Uh, Much like our desire to to reach the nations, uh, not all of us have been able to go for various reasons. Uh, It could be health. It could be we just haven't been able to go yet. It could be that, that God has called us to help send others financially uh, much like the church in, in Philippi has done here uh, with Epaphroditus to go and support the work that Paul is continuing to do as they hold the rope from the other side. For whatever reason uh, that not all of us have been able to go we still desire as a church to see the nation's reached. and so we have sent Megan and we are holding the rope on the other end for her. As she labors alongside her brothers and sisters in India. Uh, We we regularly follow up with her to ask, how are you doing? What do you need? How can we pray for you? Do you have any need that we can be meeting? We care for Megan, and we desire to continue to support her, and that is the same desire that we see the Philippians have for Paul. And then we have, again, Epaphroditus, going out and this is probably not you know on the different this probably is not biblical it's actually not biblical there are not different tiers of being missionaries but if there were tears and different levels of being a missionary, just traveling somewhere to hand someone some money and just kind of be alongside them is probably pretty low on that list. Like Most people want to be out on the frontier getting to to share the gospel, see people come to the faith, to to get to baptize them, uh, to get to to see the Lord work in what we perceive to be a big and a mighty way. And so while it is no less honorable, this was a, a meek service being asked of Epaphroditus to just go and deliver money. He's being asked to to go and deliver this financial gift, and he had been faithful. Uh, I think of our brother Alan as he uh, makes sure every week that our offerings are gathered and and placed securely in the the safe, and that there is oversight given to that. He doesn't seek praise for this service, uh, but we are so grateful for his intentionality to to week after week make sure that that is looked after. Uh, Just As Paul was was grateful for Epaphroditus' service, uh, so too we are grateful for for our brother Alan. Again, Epaphroditus is not looking for praise here. He's just doing what has been asked in a Christ-like way. And that is what Paul is pointing us to. Uh, As we've continued to see over the past few weeks through the book of Philippians... In God's economy, a term that we've been using pretty regularly here recently, because of this concept of humility in Christ, we see that the mighty will be humbled, and the humbled will be lifted high. The lowly will be lifted high. So that is our example that we have in Epaphroditus. And then lastly, we have Paul's example. Paul's example may not jump off the page here, uh, as he is the one writing to the Philippians, and he is sitting here and, and lifting up Timothy and Epaphroditus. He is saying, Look at them, look at them. But what a Christ like example we have that he is counting their interest above his own, that he desires for them to be lifted high and magnified because of their likeness of Christ. Paul truly loves and cares for the Philippians. He desires to know how they're doing. He wants to care for them through Timothy. He wants to encourage them through Epaphroditus. We truly see Paul here as a shepherd or a pastor in his deep care for this flock that he established. We see Paul's selflessness. Even as he highlights his brother's selflessness, he is publicly lifting up Timothy and Epaphroditus as examples for the church in Philippi to follow. He's not pointing to himself, though we'll see him do that next week, and Paul, above any other, would have right to do so. He chooses not to, and specifically takes this time to highlight Timothy and Epaphroditus. Paul is a model that is elders, leaders in the workplace, in our homes our neighborhoods, and our our friendships that we should seek to follow. Lifting up others higher than ourselves and desiring their good above our own. He is taking the opportunity here to lift up his brothers in the faith, his co-slave, Timothy, as he introduced us in chapter one, verse one. He refers to Timothy as his co-slave to Christ, not having the, the connotation that It probably does in our context here in America, but Paul is getting to the idea here that that he is unable spiritually to do anything against the Father's will, that he is bound to Christ, that he desires the Father's will above his own and is constantly fighting against his own fleshly desires to accomplish the will of the Father. That's the language that he uses to describe Timothy. Timothy. We see him describe Epaphroditus as his brother, his fellow worker, and fellow soldier. He points out specific ways that both of these brothers exemplify Christ-like humility and service to others. It's worth thinking on how can we as a church be doing the same? Instead of neglecting the Philippians, Paul is willing to send his closest companion, Timothy, to them so that they may be ministered to. And this is not just any brother that he has. Again, Paul calls Timothy his son. A very deep term of endearment. This is not a light thing to say about someone. It is weighty to have a spiritual son in the faith. Paul genuinely loves and cares for Timothy, What love is this, that he would give up his closest brother for this church, a companion during his imprisonment, so that the church may benefit. We also see Paul display true servant leadership. Notice how Paul makes sure that the Philippians will receive his disciple and son in the faith, Timothy, well. He wants them to respect him and to trust him just as they would respect him and just as he trusts and respects Timothy. He prepares the way for Timothy to be able to lead them well. We see him also do the same for Epaphroditus. Paul makes sure that the Philippians have no reason to think poorly of Epaphroditus for returning early. Paul says that he, Paul, is the one that is more eager to send Epaphroditus back so that they may rejoice at seeing him and that he may be less anxious. He then charges them to receive Epaphroditus in the Lord with all joy and to honor such men as Epaphroditus. We see this, this love and this, this care that Paul has also for Epaphroditus, a brother that he's known for but a short time. We see In verse 27, indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Paul was truly and genuinely devastated at the thought of losing this new brother in the faith that he had. Something for us to consider here is this example Paul gives us of discipleship. You notice how Paul speaks of Timothy, someone he's known closely for a fair amount of years at this point, and then also Epaphroditus, someone he's only known for a very short time. He describes Timothy as a son with a father who has proven worth and who pursues the interest of others before his own. Paul says that he has no one like him. Yet he also describes Epaphroditus as a brother, a fellow worker, and a fellow soldier. One who ministered to his knees and is worthy of being honored. Paul speaks highly and genuinely of both of these brothers. He knows them both well. And they truly are his brothers. Time does not seem to be a factor in Paul's intentionality and discipleship. He pursues both of these men with the same intentionality. Yes, there is a, there's an earthly sense in which Timothy is much closer than it seems Epaphroditus ever will be here just due to the amount of time and conflict and affliction these two brothers have gone through. But we see the same amount of love that, that Paul is giving to both of these brothers. He cares for both of them genuinely and pursues both of them with the same intentionality and is recommending both of them as models and examples to be followed. I understand that as we've looked at these models in our passage today that not everyone may have the best memories associated with the church. And we have all experienced the hypocrisy of believers. Trust us, we are all sinners in need of a savior. We are living in a fallen and in a broken world. However, as Christians, we we do recognize that we do not follow Christ perfectly. That's why we need these examples. We are constantly being renewed on this side of heaven in Christ's image. That's not an excuse not to be working out our own salvation. That was Paul taught us in, in verses 12 and 13. Uh, the key argument that Paul is making in this passage is that we need to humbly acknowledge those that are following him faithfully as models for us to follow and imitate. Uh, what, a, what a beautiful gift and blessing that we have in the church. That this is not a, a one-way relationship that is only vertical, that we can only pursue God to ourselves, and that it is a work Based faith that we have to live up some expectation of God and that even if it was just based on faith alone that we are going at it alone and by ourselves what a blessing that we have the church to help us to be faithful to remain faithful to be fellow disciples of Christ speaking into our life encouraging us admonishing us holding us accountable being there to support us through trial and through sorrow through suffering also to get to rejoice alongside us in times of joy and of bliss these examples that we look up to in Timothy, Epaphroditus and Paul are not examples to to be chased down like competition we're not not chasing them down to try and be as good as they are because we think they're better than us but rather we're, we're trying to be obedient to be who God has called us to be and they are helping us to do that as his church, is our responsibility. Not just something we get to benefit from, but it's our responsibility to help one another be more like Christ. And we do this by following one another insofar as each other follows Christ. Paul himself is well known for saying, if I come to you again and preach to you a different gospel, don't listen to it. Cling to the one true gospel. That same idea Is the idea that we have in following one another's example. Follow each other as we clearly see them holding fast to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We do this by being like the Bereans, by, by holding up this Bible. Even as I preach today, if I say anything that is out of line with this word, we are to hold one another accountable, to only follow those around us insofar as they follow Scripture. And this is the beauty of the gospel that we preach. That we are not perfect. The church is not perfect. It never has been. There's never been a perfect church. But we trust that one day there will be. We are not a perfect people and we can't be without Christ. Until that day when he establishes the new heavens and the new earth, we will continue to exist on this side of heaven as sinners in need of a savior. The only difference between the church and the rest of the world is that we have accepted that we are sinful beings and we have confessed our need for a Savior, the only one who could ever make us righteous before God the Father. And that's where Paul's going to continue this argument next week. We're going to to see... So we continue to work through this book of Philippians, and Chad preaches through chapter 3, verses 1 to 6 next week, that we are only counted righteous before the Father because of our faith in Christ. And again, that that ties into this idea that that Paul has been drawing out for us, that we are to follow Christ-like examples in our life within the church as far as they follow Christ, because righteousness does not come through works, but it only comes through faith in Christ. He is the one that justifies us. So, if you have not confessed this today, I would strongly encourage you to do so. Talk with me or or one of the other pastors. Talk with the person you came here with today and ask them about the hope they have in Christ and the difference his spirit has made in their life. I'm sure they will be more than joyful to to share with you. Uh, Believers, I would would encourage you to be reminded of this gospel. We have the perfect example. Timothy, Epaphroditus, Paul. They're just faint, dim images of the one true Christ. We have one another to stir us up to, to good works, to be faithful. But we have the one true picture that God sent down on our behalf to bear the weight that we never could so that we might be counted righteous with him and get to dwell with him in perfection for all of eternity. Encourage one another with this message, with this gospel, that there is a perfect one who came and who lived and who died, who was resurrected, and has ascended into heaven, and he's coming back for us. Encourage one another with the gospel throughout the week. The, the brokenness of this world It can only be fixed by the one who created it and who is able to determine true righteousness. So unbeliever, come into the kingdom of God and walk beside brothers and sisters who are are far from perfect, but who seek to be like Christ earnestly and love others more than they love themselves, failing often, but desiring to follow Christ. As the band makes their way back up, uh, consider how we can apply this passage into our lives. Uh, just as, as Paul lifts these brothers up in the faith ex- examples, we too want to be a church that helps one another follow Christ better because of the faith that we model. Uh, be like Katie, who, who always stays after a small group and, uh, and cleans up and makes sure that there's nothing left unattended to, who's always willing to take out the trash and clean tables. Be Light Lake, who has committed to to leading sports night uh, week in and week out on on Tuesday nights, uh, so that we can invite people uh, into community here. Commend your brothers and sisters like these to to one another regularly in our conversations. Uh, Our our lips should be marked by encouraging words of our brothers and sisters and lifting them up as examples to be following, uh, not not full of gossip or slander we should be striving to build one another up regularly in our conversations honor our brothers and sisters in christ by genuinely thanking them for their service Uh, it would really amaze us sometimes how much just a little hey i i see what you do and i I really appreciate you thank you that's that's not why we we serve why we care for one another but it is so encouraging to hear that someone else sees your faithfulness and commends you for it. Uh, and lastly, find ways to serve those who we see selflessly serving the body. I'll give a, a few examples of how to do this. Uh, take, them, take them out for a meal. Write them a, a thank you letter. Give them a gift card for something that they enjoy. Or do something else that's thoughtful. Get creative, but... Let us be a church that is marked by genuinely caring for one another well and recognizing one another for our service so that we are constantly having on our lips words of encouragement about our brothers and sisters in the faith. So again, just our applications is to commend brothers and sisters regularly in conversation. Honor our brothers and sisters by genuinely thanking them for their service and find ways to serve them as a means of thankfulness. Let's pray together. Father, I I pray that this would truly be the manner that we conduct ourselves in here at King's Church, that we would truly be seeking after you so much so that we desire the interest of others before our own, that we humbly come to you that we lift up our brothers and sisters high, that we see them and honor them for their selfless service, for their obedience in the faith, for their desire to love others well. Father, I pray that we would, we would regularly lift up brothers and sisters like this in our weekly gatherings as we uh, meet and, and get to hang out throughout the week. And Father, I, I pray that we would uh, be encouraging one another as we see them serving well, loving one another well. Father, I pray that we would, uh, we would go out of our way to thank those that serve us, that we would make them feel loved and cared for just as they love and care for us. Father, I pray that we would have this relationship that, that Paul has for the Philippians, that we would love one another so much that we would be give, willing to give up that which is most dear to us, because it would benefit the body. Father, I pray that you would help us to be the bride of Christ that you have called us to be, to be a faithful witness into the world around us of what self-sacrifice, servant leadership, of selflessness looks like as we seek the interest in Christ's interest. We seek the interest of others before our own. Father, I pray that this would be a marker of King's Church, that we would love one another well, genuinely, and that we would encourage one another to pursue Christ. Just as you have given us these examples today in in Timothy, Epaphroditus, and Paul. Father, I pray that you would be making us new each day as you have justified us as believers and continue to sanctify us and make us more like Christ I thank you for your church that we help one another do this. I pray that we would continue to help one another be more like Christ on this side of heaven until that day that we are glorified with you and made perfect for all of eternity to get to worship you forever and ever. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.